live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Up until now, it's been Jera and everybody else. When it comes to team content, Jera is dynastic. He's the Patriots of team content. It's amazing how much damage an almond can do. I have no idea. And if your question is, then why do you eat them? I, I don't know that either. Anyway, the one guy that's going to run down Jarrah maybe as it relates to team content. Thanks, Salvi. That's helping. You all right? Yep. Yeah, I'm talking about Jarrah, and I'm coughing like Jarrah. All right, so the one guy who's going to run him down, well, me, who do you think is going to gag out and choke out first on air, Jarrah or me? No, the one guy chasing him and catching up to him is Jim Ursay. Ursay is giving Jera a run for his money this year. It actually seems like he's gunning for Jera's crown. <laughs> Love to see it. Love to see it. So as the number one supporter of team content, I do. Love to see it. Love to see it. <laughs> Love to see it. I mean, let's take a look at Ursay the year he's had. Remember, it started with that incredible message, that tirade of sorts, on the tarmac, standing next to his private jet because, yes, he keeps a private jet. You know, keeps a private jet. Y'all remember that message to Colt Nation that was barely audible over the hum of those jet engines, but the message where he promised Colt Nation he would not tolerate that implosion and that the team, quote, allowed doubt fear, and a lack of faith to slip into our DNA, end of quote. I mean, I'll give this guy this much. There has not been a lot of doubt or fear or lack of faith this season. No, no, there's not that. He instead replaced that with blind faith, impulsiveness, and a lack of logic. I mean, remember how bent he was when he gave that speech? Last year, they were 9-8. and eight. All they had to do was beat Jacksonville to get to the postseason. So that was not that horrible a year. It was a horrible ending. It was disappointing, but they were 9-8. and eight. This year, though, they're 4-8-1. and one. They're being coached by a zero-experience, pancake-flipping, talking head. They've somehow gotten even worse at quarterback with Matt Ryan than they were Carson Wentz, the guy that Ursay blamed everything on. And by the way, I mean worse. Like, way worse. And Jim Ursay has frankly dominated Jared Jones in the category of bizarre, attention-seeking antics. And that is not easy to do, given that's why Jarrah was placed on this planet, for bizarre, attention-seeking antics. That's what Jarrah does. But there's Ursay just running with him, stride for stride. I mean, there he was at the Jeff Saturday presser, the intro presser, where Ursay said that he wanted a, quote, proven winner, but was also, quote, glad that Saturday didn't have any NFL experience, because that makes so much sense. Then he lied, flat out lied, about the Colts being in the top quartile of the upper quartile of winners. And then he went on to talk about building rockets, going to Mars, and the CIA. And then compared his high school slash pancake flipper and hot taker to one of the greatest coaches ever, Don Shula, in one of the worst takes ever. You want to bet against this guy? Yeah, wish I had. In fact, I have. And it's worked out pretty well. And then when they miraculously won a game, he could not wait to gronk spike all of Twitter after that debut win over the choking Raiders. <laughs> Which, by the way, always said way more about the Raiders than it did the dude who was flipping hot cakes and hot takes on morning TV like five minutes earlier. But that didn't stop Ursay, who immediately reached for his blower and thumbed out the following quote. Tweet. All you critics, you criticize all of us in the NFL for losing. When we make moves to win, you act so righteous. Who you crapping? Just win, baby. Win. Win. Oh, what a legendary tweet. 
And at, that, that tweet is aging so well. Of course, you know, quote, who you crapping? Just win, baby. Of course, the Colts have not won a game since. So who's righteous now, Jimbo? Who you crapping? As your team continues to crap itself every time it takes the field. But the Saturday situation is not all that Ursay's been up to. Remember, he also tried to run a fellow owner under his private jet earlier this season. When do you ever see owners step that far out of line and turn on one another? However, at the fall owners' meetings in New York City, Ursay came right out and declared that there was, quote, merit to remove, end of quote. Dan Snyder is owner of the Commanders. He actually got some positive run for that. Because who else would do something like that? What owner was going to do that? Only Ursay. So I actually kind of applauded the guy for having the stones to do it. He also added, quote, It's gravely concerning to me the things that have occurred there over the last 20 years. End of quote. So those statements did get a lot of run. They did get a ton of attention because they were strong statements and rare statements and definitive statements from an owner about another owner. All right. So something to give this guy credit for until yesterday when he came out and he backed the hell off the statement. For real. In yet another classic Jim Ursay moment from the year of Jim Ursay, he's walking it back. He's backing it down. It's almost like he combined all of his greatest hits from 2022 into this one media gaggle. Because at the league's December meetings in Texas yesterday, my man met his media obligation from the back of a running golf cart while ripping a heater. So on brand, so perfect, so awesome. I kid you not. My dude was ripping a cancer stick and backpedaling like crazy while sitting in the back of a running golf cart. Not exactly the same as standing up on the tarmac and letting it rip over the hum of a jet engine. No, sitting in the back of a golf cart, ripping hits off that heater, And I can imagine the smell of that heater and the burning gasoline and his BS. Burning. And sidebar, dude, who is still ripping heaters in 2022? Good thing you do keep a private jet, Haas. Or you would be with all those other losers sequestered in those little smoking kiosks in the airport, like the nicotine lepers that they are. Loser. Anyway, apparently he's done an about-face on Snyder saying he's, quote, not ready to vote him out. End of quote. He also says he needs, quote, more information. End of quote. Generally, that's what we do, Jim. Before we pop off about something like that, we get all the information we need. We don't just go off half-cocked. So now he says he's just one of 32 owners, and he tried to explain, poorly I might add, over the hum of not a jet engine, but a golf cart motor. Being one of uh, 32 owners, that's the positions that I have talked about being, you know, one of 32 owners. uh, Would it be um, better for you guys if he sold rather than have to be voted out? Well, you know, again, I, I, I think that that's something that, that's a, a certainly a better solution, you know, if, if that uh, came to that. Are you kidding me? From being on the tarmac and just letting it rip next to a jet engine to being in the back of a golf cart, smoking cigarettes and barely audible over a golf cart motor? At least my man never goes off half-cocked about anything, right? He just goes off half-cocked about absolutely everything. It's incredible how little sense this dude ever makes. Garrett Cole thinks that Jim Ursay is an excruciating listen. Um, I don't... I don't know 
I, I, I don't know if, uh, I don't know. Only I, thing I don't better would have been Cole in the backseat of a golf cart, ripping off cigarettes and trying to explain spider attack. Jay Woods of OmegaTaxCredits.com is with me now. You've actually started a new operation, a new wing, Omega Funding Solutions. Exactly what is that and how does that work? You file an amended payroll tax return with the IRS and the IRS is backed up. You know, they were hit by COVID too. They had the pandemic to deal with. So it's taking them anywhere from six months to a year to process these refunds. So we came out with a solution where we can help you get access to that cash earlier in as, as little as two weeks. See if you qualify for an ERC tax refund from the IRS, OmegaTaxCredits.com. Um, Got good news, though, for Big Jim. For once, Snyder may be in the process of already selling that team. In fact, the Washington Post reported yesterday that the Bank of America is moving forward in the process, facilitating that sale, and they quote, a full sale is the most likely outcome, end of quote. So an owner vote may not even be necessary anymore. And walking back your previously strong take about an owner vote seems even less necessary. So the look was bad enough, but you didn't necessarily even have to do it, right? But hey, that's just Jim Ursay. The important part was he was sitting on the back of a running golf cart, ripping a heater. Whatever he was about to say in that scenario was never going to make sense anyway, because it never does. Here's some of the other big takeaways from the December league meetings. Included reminding Ursay that he still has to interview candidates for a head coach. He can't just keep rolling with Coach Bra. He can't just keep rolling with Jeff Saturday. Even though Saturday made it very clear earlier this week that he wants to remain in that capacity. You're going to plan on interviewing for Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I plan on interviewing as, as long as they, you know, give me the interview. I'm, I'm, I'm in. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. Uh, but, but yeah, no, I'm, I, I enjoy the heck out of this and have had a lot of fun doing it. And, again, I'm not discouraged at all. Yo, Coach Pra, what happened to if I suck at this, I'll just leave? Because it's been pretty rough, and you're looking worse and worse all the time. I believe your actual quote during your intro was, quote, I may be terrible at this, and after eight games, I'll say, God bless you. End of quote. So, dude, why wait? After all that, I mean, it already applies right now after only four games. So why not just say, God bless you, and I'll look forward to seeing you back to flipping hot cakes and hot takes on TV next week. Which means Ursay is going to have to make another huge decision to start 2023. And another huge opportunity to once again make no sense, do something really impulsive and bizarre, and call even more attention to himself. A.K.A. build on this spectacularly weird and wild 2022. This dude is so on fire for team content right now. He's making a run at the 72 Dolphins. Like, he's going to run the table as team content. Merck and all the fellas will not be popping champagne bottles. He's going to run them down. He's running the table. He's undefeated as the CEO, GM, coach, QB1. Hell, he's playing all 22 positions on team content right now. He's created a couple of absolute gem moments in the past six days. Because wait, there is more. I'm not done yet. Saturday night. The famous music lover got up on an actual stage in front of an actual audience with an actual band and thought that it was a good idea to bust out with some Pink Floyd. Hello, hello. Is there anybody in there? Just not if you can hear me.
me. Hey, Alvin, you got a joint for me? I didn't know there was a worse owner slash lead singer than Jimmy Dolan. This has got to be the one time ever that the rest of the members of the straight shot were like, thank God our lead singer's not that guy. Your singing voice leaves a lot to desire. You're a bad singer. You don't love to see that. Well, unless you're for team content like me. Then you love to see that. You hate to hear that, but you love to see that. And anybody pick up on the irony of that song choice? Like, I know that he knows the lyrics because I just heard him singing them. I just can't believe how perfect they are. I mean, Ursa is like, hello, hello, hello. Is there anybody in there? Just not if you can hear me. Is there anyone home? Isn't that incredible? In the year of Jim Irsay. I think the answer to all those questions is pretty obvious. Like, where did that go down? Did people actually throw down money to hear that? Unless that crowd was made up of Irsay's employees and family members, I, I can't imagine a worse concert to be at. Dolan wouldn't show up for that. This message is sponsored by Discover. Did you know that you could reduce the number of unwanted calls and emails with online privacy protection? The latest innovation from Discover. Discover will help regularly remove your personal info like your name and address from 10 popular people search websites that could sell your data. And they will do it for free. Activate in the Discover app. See terms and learn more at discover.com slash online privacy protection. We are joined by Luke Fickle. Luke, it is great to have you on. How are you? I'm doing well, man. Thanks. Uh, you just told me the schedule. I don't even know if I've looked at that yet, so I appreciate that. Yes, somehow I don't believe that, Coach. So listen, in fact, I was going to ask you about that because I know you're extremely structured and you're focused and you're driven, you're detail-oriented, but this is a different deal, right? At least right now, you come in, you're looking to retain, recruit, build your staff, the early signing period's coming up, oh, and you got a bowl game right around the corner. So I've got to ask, what's it been like since you arrived in Madison? Well, it's been a whirlwind. I mean, I think anybody would say that, but I think even the uniqueness of, you know, kind of thrusting yourself into this bull preparation around, you know, this team and then obviously around a, a bunch of coaches that, you know, maybe looked at you a little bit cross-eyed when you started this thing. And, you know, obviously it's a change for them as well. So in some of that awkwardness, it's it's been quite unique, but uh, I can tell you the truth, man, the players have been incredible. Uh, the coaching staff that's here right now has been really mature and incredible because you know it's a special place and they want to finish this thing and end this thing the right way all right so i want to get to that in one minute it it is a special place and you've got that bowl game coming up full disclosure though you and i have had conversations in the past but this one is a little bit different because we have a son who is a senior at that school we have a home in the north woods in eagle river i have walked those hallways i've been to a number of games there i've got a strong sense of what that culture is as well as what we affectionately refer to as the Badger Mafia, right? They have really strong alumni base. You had an amazing thing going at Cincinnati. I know you're not leaving that unless you see a special opportunity. What is it that excites you about this opportunity and this challenge in Madison? There are there are a lot of those parameters that uh, just kind of fell into place for me. And you're right. I was one of those guys that I, I wasn't didn't really want to leave. I mean, it was not something that... I was one of those that, that looked around a whole bunch. But I think the uniqueness of obviously being a Big Ten guy, the uniqueness of playing against Wisconsin for, for a bunch of years and coaching against them, just what I believed in from the outside looking in, thought or knew that of the culture here, um, I didn't think there was any better fit for me. And the timing happened to be the right situation in the right time. Um, and it just it, it, it's amazing how much it felt the right thing um, for me and my entire family. So – I don't know that there's one thing. I think the biggest thing is not just the Big Ten, but the culture of what it is that you believe this place has been uh, and can continue to grow to be. That's where I was going next. Luke Fickle joining us because the culture is so strong. You never want to mess with that. It is so strong. But, of course, you're going to come in and you're going to put your own imprint on that program. What are the core values that you're going to bring to Madison? Like, What do you want your Badger teams to stand for and represent? 
Well, that's easy to just say. Um, kind of always been one of those guys when we walk in the door, when, when we get rolling again here in January, there won't be a whole lot of things that are going to be on the walls. Cause like, I'll tell them that, you know, you guys have had a strong culture here. What the program will be about is not what we put on a wall. It'll be what we promote, what we permit, and ultimately what we put on film. And as we grow and develop and show those things through spring ball and into the fall, we'll be able to implement and, and put on the walls the things that we, we've demonstrated. And we know, I know it wants to be about team. That's the one thing that we'll be all about. And together, everybody achieves more is the kind of the motto for all that we do. And, and the only way you can do that is by doing it together, you know, to be successful the way we want to be and, and to be able to sustain success. You know, I think that when you're climbing, you know, that, that mountain, the ability to kind of keep getting up, up, up and the ability not to go back down, you got to have things that you can sustain. And if you can't do it together, it's impossible to sustain. So for me, I'm still learning, you know, from the outside looking in, I also want to know the insides of what this culture, what has made this place so special. So, I think it's a part of developing and uh, through this entire winter, I think we'll, we'll, we'll get a better opportunity to show what it is that we really want to be. That makes sense. And then in the short term, Luke Fickle, my guest in the short term, there's so many moving parts, right? Like you're doing what you need to do to get situated, get your process and system in place. You've got some players that hit the portal, some thought about and decide to stay. Others have gone for the NFL draft yet in and around all of these moving parts. You do have a bowl game right around the corner, the guaranteed rate bowl game against Oklahoma state. I'm curious how critical is this? game for the guys who are staying and how big of an opportunity for them to step up and make a statement i think it's huge i think it's i tell them every day that the little that we get a chance to come together and to talk like this game is about winning and i don't care what you say that the only way to build momentum is to continue to play and to win and it's really difficult to do that we can create all this hype and there's some newness and you got a new coach and all these different things that are going on but what it comes down to is do the people believe in the things that you're doing around you? And if they do, do you have the opportunity to put the product on the field to win? Because a lot of it outside of that is, is a lot of you know hot air. And that's why I told you even before, like there's not a new culture that'll go on the wall come January, you know, second, third, or whatever it is. You know, what'll go on the wall is about the team. Together, everybody achieves more. And then we've got to continue to grow and develop. You know, it's not, you know, and the only way you can do that is with positive, you know, the positive impact. And a bull win and that positivity of, of, you know, embracing some change will go a really long way for us. So the focus, even though there's a lot of things going on, is about how do we win a, a bowl game no matter what the situation. Yeah, see, I, I get that message, and there was so much change. I was going to ask you, did you know that driving high is considered driving under the influence? That's right. Driving under the influence of marijuana is against the law in every state, even in states where marijuana is legal. That means driving high could get you a DUI. And if you think law enforcement officers can't tell when you're driving high, you are wrong. Your friends can tell. Your coworkers can tell. Even your parents can tell. Everybody can tell. So what makes you think that law enforcement officers do not know when you're driving high? Driving under the influence of marijuana can slow your response time and change how you perceive time and speed. So even if you think you're fine to drive when you're high, you're not. Because the bottom line is... If you feel different, you drive different, and driving high is driving under the influence. So remember, drive high, get a DUI. Paid for by NHTSA. Change, and there's a lot of it, can be unsettling, especially to young people. I'm curious, what's the mood of that team right now? In other words, is it a group that is kind of settling in and trying to find its way, or do you feel like you've got a group that's already leaning in, is embracing it, has got a chip on their shoulder, and does not want to just show up and compete, but wants to show out, finish strong, and end that season with a statement and a bowl win? So that's what I would tell you from, from being here for the short amount of time. The the greatest thing that I've noticed is the culture is really strong. And how do you know that, right? Not because of what the guys tell you. You know, they all come in your office and they sit down and they say they love the place and they love the players. But then you have the opportunity to go out there and actually watch them practice. And, you know, it's 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 different. Not that it's different. Practices are staying the same. But, I mean, there's a guy that's standing in front of them blowing a whistle that they don't really know. And there's a lot of guys on the outside, meaning coaches, that, you know, don't maybe know exactly what the future looks like for them. But when they go to practice, they all come together. And that's where I've been really, really impressed where, hey, I've got to do a good job of not just coming in here and thinking you're going to change all these different things. There's an incredible culture and, and 
history that these guys have done and, and are all about that I have to embrace as well. So I've been more impressed with the way they've come out to practice, the way they've handled all these situations, the maturity that they've shown. Obviously, we got to go out and play, and there's still some time left to do that. But beyond everything else, I, I could tell you that they've done a phenomenal job here of creating the right culture with the right people. So, look, it seems to me there are things that you do not want to change, and then there are things that will change. As an example, you're going to bring in Phil Longo to coordinate the offense, and I've got a feeling what that means is there's going to be a dramatically different look offensively at Camp Randall. For those who are not initiated, why is Longo the guy, and then what's his offense going to look like? Well, I've, I've got to know Phil pretty good for the last, the last six years. And uh, we've kind of had not a history. We've never been together. Tried to hire him actually when we first went to uh, Cincinnati. And um, he actually had an opportunity at the last minute to go to Ole Miss. And that's how we kind of started the relationship. And through the summers, I've spent, uh, you know, a couple of days every summer just kind of going over ball and talking ball. And so we built this really good relationship from afar and a little bit in the summers. And you know, as as he walks in the door here, obviously there's some parameters and things, and we haven't even had all these conversations with him yet. So I know he'll come walking in. He's got this playbook. He'll sit down. And I'll be like, that's great. That's what you did at Ole Miss. Maybe that's what you did at North Carolina. Now let's make sure we can reshape some of these things for what we're going to do at Wisconsin. And let's make sure no matter what it is that we do, the Wisconsin way is still the way we've got to be able to do things. Now, there's plenty of different ways to look different, but still do the similar things. And I think that's where I'm excited. I think even he's excited to have a challenge to say, okay, now what it is that we've done, okay, we will still have the param we will still have the 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 base concepts of those things, but how do we be even do them a little bit different for what's going to be best for us as a program, especially here at Wisconsin? Again, I like that response. Now, your former quarterback, Desmond Ritter, enjoyed tremendous success with you at Cincinnati. He's going to make his NFL debut for the Falcons on Sunday. I know you're totally swamped, but have you had a chance to touch base with him? And what are the Falcons going to get with him? I don't, we don't stay in great contact with a lot of guys, but yes, when, when that kind of came out last week, uh, there's no doubt I, reached out and he hit me right back just about his excitement and you know I don't want to pile on obviously when things are going well you, I don't ever like to re reach out to the guys I like to when there's tougher times you know when he wasn't playing as much I try to connect with those guys a little bit more but I'm so excited for him I don't you know I've watched many games obviously I try to watch uh, the Titans maybe because of Rabel when I have an opportunity on Sundays but I'm going to definitely try to find a way to to see that game on Sunday and I'll tell you what are they going to get? They're going to get a winner and they're going to get a competitor. And I promise you that those guys within that locker room will follow him no matter what he says uh, because of the way he goes about his business. Luke Fickle, my guest. Luke, like it or not, my money is going to that school. My money is going to that state as a homeowner. You are stuck with me, my man. So don't be surprised if you see me there next season. In fact, you probably should count on it. It's great to have you on the show. I appreciate you. I appreciate your time. And I can't believe I'm going to say this to you first, but on Wisconsin. Well, I appreciate it, Jim. You know you're always welcome here. Um Anytime, and uh, we would love to have you. And uh, you can probably help me a little bit with with grasping the whole, you know, the whole state uh, in a lot of different ways as well. So I'm looking for all the help I can get. Um, and you know, obviously, with all my kids, I'll, I'll have an opportunity to do that. But uh, I'm with you on Wisconsin. Have you ever experienced the flavor of actual live fire cooking? We're not talking about a fire pit in the backyard. This is about the big green egg, the ultimate cooking experience. An egg is the most versatile grill you're ever going to own. You can grill, roast, smoke, sear, and even bake. I'm not kidding. Try a pizza on the egg. It'll amaze you. Stop wasting money on grills that you have to replace every few years. We've all been there. We've done that. Forget the pellets and the knockoffs, too. Listen to me. Roll with an authentic big green egg. It's a ceramic marvel backed by a lifetime warranty. It's simple to light, easy to use, and it works without a power source, so there's no need to plug anything in. And with the playoffs and the holidays approaching, you cannot beat a smoked turkey on an egg. It also makes an amazing gift, and they have two models that are perfect for tailgating. The best part is you can have it delivered to your house for free from a local dealer in your community. That's right. Shop online at BigGreenEgg.com. Have it delivered to your house for free. That's BigGreenEgg.com, and you will thank me later. Jason McCordy is my guest. Jason, great to have you on. How are you? 
I'm doing well. Appreciate you having me. It's great to have you on. So, big weekend, including some matchups on Thursday and on Saturday both. Let me start off with Week 15 kicking off, Niners-Seahawks. You've got Niners quarterback Brock Purdy, who's played really well for Jimmy Garoppolo since he went down. But there's a lot to like about the Niners, Jason. But when they keep losing guys and guys that matter, even though they ripped off six in a row, at some point do these injuries not all catch up to them? Yeah, without a doubt. It's tough to keep keep on keeping on when you keep losing your guys. And obviously, Debo Samuel going down last week. Obviously, good news that it's not season-ending at ankle and he'll be back at some point. But that depends upon how far they're able to go in the playoffs and all of that. And the one thing you can speak of, the coaching job by Kyle Shanahan and his staff. Guys go down, the next person steps in and, and is playing really well. You look at Brock Purdy, for that matter, the third-string quarterback gets in. There's no fear. He's confident. He knows the playbook, and he's going out there, and he's making plays. So it'll be a totally different atmosphere than playing at home versus the Buccaneers this past week. He's going to be on the road in Seattle, and I played in that stadium. I remember being on the sideline and trying to talk to my teammates during the game, and you're literally screaming at each other just to be able to hear. I think you make a great point right there. Now, Brock Purdy, we know that he's not going to be afraid. This guy's not going to back down. It appears that he will go. Big picture, though, and there's so much to like about this guy. Man, I love this guy's it, and you know he can make the plays. He can make the throws, but do you think that they can win a Super Bowl with him under center? Oh, that's that's a tough one. Uh, I think that defense is is that talented that they can help lead them there. Um, I can't say right now today, like, yes, Brock Purdy is the quarterback that's going to be hoisting up the Lombardi and get all the way through the playoffs and be able to possibly take down a Philadelphia Eagles team that has been rolling all season long. But I will say they have the makeup team-wise of somebody that can compete and that can get there. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo was a, a great leader for them, and they were in the Super Bowl a few years ago, and he made all the throws when they needed to, the timely ones, the third downs, and those those plays that you need at given moments in the game. Whether Brock Purdy can do that or not, we don't know. We haven't seen him. This is the first time we'll watch him in a road game versus Seattle where they're going to be playing for everything. They're a desperate team right now that have started out playing really well and have seen it kind of fall down these last few weeks. So I think we'll see a lot out of Brock Purdy as this season ends, as the playoffs are rolling around. I think we'll have a better picture of what we think he can possibly do I think uh, and make a run for I them. was going to say, excuse me, it's a great point you make, and especially tonight we'll see how he does on the road in a really hostile environment. Jason McCourty is my guest. Now, you know the Patriots as well as anybody does, and they did what they had to do to get over on the Cardinals, but almost nobody outside that building seems to understand the logic of Matt Patricia and Joe Judge playing such an enormous role in the offense. Does that decision make sense to you? From being in that building, it makes sense from that perspective. I think Bill Belichick, he's a guy that he looks at his coaches and he wants people around him that know football, that he can trust, and that are just good ball coaches. And I think he looks at Joe Judge and Matt Patricia, two former head coaches in the NFL. These are these guys are really good football coaches. And I think when you have that basis, Bill looks at it as, hey, if you can teach football, we can put you anywhere. And Matt Patricia, the coordinator, Joe Judge, the quarterback's coach, those guys are working together. And for whatever you want to say, they're figuring it out somehow. They're, they won this past Monday night beating Arizona, and we keep looking at them week in and week out. Why aren't they throwing the ball down the field? We see Mac Jones' frustration as he's gone to the sideline, and we saw him waving off the play caller this past week and yelling at Tyquan Thornton. But those are all things that happen within the course of a season when Brady was there for years. And obviously I'm not saying Mac Jones is Tom Brady and he should get the same leeway that he does. But when Brady was there, we watched him blow up on the sideline many a times. We watched him in Tampa this year, slamming the surface. It's an emotional game. It's a passionate game. And that's all a part of it. So I think from being in that building and understanding a little bit of how they operate and how Bill does things, having two coaches that he trusts, that he knows are really good football coaches, and having them a part of the staff makes sense. We can talk about the lack of offense experience and all of that that draws a ton of question marks. But here they are as the season is rounding out and they're in a position to try to make a run as they're lurking in that playoff spot. So just as a quick follow, why do you think that they don't take more shots downfield? I mean, do you think Mac is regressing under Matt Patricia? Do they not have enough weapons? Do they not trust Mac? Why won't they take more shots downfield? I'm not going to say he's regressing because I, I do think something that we talk about with young quarterbacks in the league each and every year, 
when you see guys go to situations, uh, Daniel Jones, the Tua Tonga-Vailoa, guys that go in and you keep switching and you have different coordinators with different mindsets and different plays, it takes time to learn that and adjust. And I think for Mac Jones, you come in, you have a guy like Josh McDaniels who's been coaching offense for so many years, was a head coach in Denver, now took the head coaching job in Las Vegas. He comes in and he, he puts you at a, at a baseline and a standard of what you may think the NFL and an offense is supposed to run. And now you have two guys come in, a judge and Patricia, who may have a totally different way of doing things. Patricia obviously was a defensive coordinator in New England. Joe Judge was a special teams coordinator before he moved to offense. So their background and their baseline and the way they do things could be drastically different from Josh McDaniel. So I, I do think it takes time. I'm not going to call it a regression, but it's almost like a restart and a reset for him to have to learn that and be able to turn it into something. So it's hard to finger point, all right, why aren't they throwing the ball downfield? We know they're a team that wants to be able to run the ball and move the chains. Uh, but we saw this past Monday night, though. There were two deep shots down the field to Hunter Henry, one down the right sideline, one over the middle that helped uh, them put two uh, scoring drives together where they scored touchdowns and ended. So maybe that was a glimpse of what's to come as far as getting the ball down the field a little bit more. Jason McCourty joining us. I'm glad you mentioned, too, uh, I wanted to ask you about Miami and Buffalo. A tremendous throwdown Saturday night in frigid Buffalo. I can't lie, I was riding hard with the Dolphins until they got worked a couple of times out here in Cali, and now they have to deal <laughs> with the elements in Buffalo. Are you still buying Miami or have teams made the adjustment to Tua and that high-powered offense? Teams have definitely made the adjustment. I, I, I'm all in on Miami. You know, I, I was there last year. I'm a big believer uh, in those guys. I'm a big believer in Tua Tagovailoa. But it's going to take adjustments. Mike McDaniel is a good a good coach. He's a good coordinator, and he knows how to call plays. And obviously, these past two weeks weren't pretty for them going against the San Francisco defense. That their front four, the way they get after the quarterback, and they just do what they do. D'Amico Ryan's has them flying around. They play more of a zone scheme, and they attack with Fred Warner and Drake Greenlaw. They have guys that can get it done at each and every level. I think what the Chargers were able to do on Sunday night was even more impressive because we, you go into that game and you're like, well, the Chargers have struggled defensively all season. This is going to be the one where Miami can get back on track. And they came in with a game plan, not allowing those inside throws, getting up in the receivers' faces and, and being physical with them. I think that's going to be the big adjustment for McDaniel and, and for Tua Tungvaloa to – come in this week and say, hey, if they take these things away, this is going to be our answer. If they allow us to do it, so be it. We'll do it all night long. But it's going to be a fun one to watch, especially we've all talked about the weather all week long and how Tua hasn't played well in cold temperatures and all of that. I think he's going to be ready to go, and I think it's going to be a fun one because Josh Allen and Buffalo haven't just been rolling on offense right now. I think they have a lot to prove, too, and they're playing for that number one seed in the AFC, which can have so many implications as we go down and we're in the playoffs, especially with a team like Kansas City and Cincinnati, uh, that are probably going to be in the playoffs as well. Yeah, I agree with you really quickly. Mike McDaniel, and I love him. We all love him. But he made the point that, hey, I'm not too caught up in the weather. In fact, I'm not even looking at the weather. It's a mindset, man. It's a mindset. It's about mental toughness. <laughs> you know about the elements. Is that a good way to approach that? What's your reaction when he says things like that? It's the only way to approach it. I mean, you worry about the weather all day long. It's not going to be sunny skies if you wish it. It's going to be cold. It's possibly going to be snowing. It's going to be tough. We saw McDaniel rocking the T-shirt. I wish it were cold. I'm not going to go that far. I don't want it to be cold. I was the guy that playing out there in the cold. I had the jacket on. I was sitting on the on the heated bench right before we went in the game. I'm standing by the heater trying to warm up as much as possible because as soon as you take that jacket off, you're right back in the elements. But I think what Tua is, I think what he's probably saying is, Throughout the course of his young career, when he's had to play in the cold, he's overthought it. He's thinking about how I'm going to grip the ball, I'm going to do this, what I'm going to wear, all these different things. And then you go out there, and it's just time to go play ball. And I think for him, having done it a few times now, he's learning from his mistakes. And we're going to see. They say don't put too much focus on it. We're going to see what they look like Saturday night. So, Jason, really quickly, how are you digging the daily show grind and being a part of Good Morning Football? Man, it's been, it's been a ton of fun. I think the best part about it is who I get to do it with. Uh, I'm going on Kyle Brandt's show a little later. Uh, he's just been fabulous. This guy, never know what he's going to say, totally off the rails, but uh, has me cracking up all day long on the show. And I've learned so much from Peter, who's been doing this for so long with his connections and the way he goes about it. And me and my fellow rookie, uh, Jamie Erdahl, on the show, uh, it's been fun to grow together and, and learn in the, the good morning football process and how they do things. So uh, it's just been a, a ton of fun being a chance to 
get to know the business and get to know what the people I'm doing it with. Well, you know, I can speak to that because I brought him into this business. He played football before here, but he worked on this show for 10 years. So I knew he was a star and I always yeah. appreciate his process. That's he's, he's a star. He's a different guy. So I'm glad you re you recognize that about him, but it's hard not to. He is a Super Bowl champ, a 13 year NFL vet and the co-host of the double coverage podcast with his brother and good morning football on NFL network. Jason, appreciate that. Great job, man. Thank you very much. Have a great weekend. Tommy, are we starting with the social or the calls? He recommends social, so why don't we do that? All right, these are all over the place. I like it. First one is going to set the tone. My beef is with TV personalities that over-bleach their teeth. And yes, I'm talking to you, Rex Ryan. Every time this dude opens his mouth, I have to run down or turn down the brightness on my TV. Those chiclets are brighter than the light on top of the Luxor Hotel. Mix in a cup of coffee, a brownie, or a glass of tea. That's different. Mike in Nashville. My, Rome, my beef is with carpool to lunch people. I've already suffered through four hours with you in the office, and now you want to squeeze in to a small car and eat a meal. I'd rather eat alone. Give me just five minutes to myself, please. Carissa from PDX, wife of Jeff please. from PDX. I like that. Carissa, welcome. Hey, Rome, my beef is with my cat, who recently learned how to open doors and can now successfully eat out of the garbage whenever he desires, then proceeds to puke it up. Hey, cat bag. Stop puking all over our house and be content with your Purina. Jeff from PDX. I like how Jeff and Carissa went back to back from the PDX. Our cats do the same. They don't open up the doors and get into the garbage. They just eat what we give them and then they puke and diarrhea all over the house. I always hope it's on the wood or the marble as opposed to the carpet. But they don't. They don't have the wherewithal. They don't have the sense. They can't decide, you know? It's almost personal. Like, I think our cats are smart enough to know, you know what? Not happy with your act. You went away. You went on vacation. You took too long to feed me. How do you like this? How's that grab you? How's this diarrhea on our expensive rug grab you? Damn, Sapphire, really? Van Smack. My beef is Bicycle Nation. They roll in the middle of the road. They yell at me for passing them. Hey, bicycle guy, I'll stay out of the bike lane and you stay the hell out of the road. You're lucky I drove around you and not right through your pathetic six mile per hour pace, you arrogant bag. McKay and Oakland, that's not an original or fresh take. I've heard that before. People don't like that. They don't like you, and you don't like them. I've seen this. I live in a big biking community. I'll never forget the guy coming out of my neighborhood one morning, early, early, early. He's right smack dab in the middle of the road. He's just, he's just starting a fight. The guy was spoiling for a fight. Dude, I'm more than happy to share the road with you, but you don't need to be right in the middle of the road when there is a clearly defined and marked bike lane. And then when I went around him, he F-bombed me at the top of his lungs, and my windows were closed, and I heard it. Like, that guy wanted to fight. That guy was looking to start a fight. But they're not all like that. Tan Smack, my beef are these bands that play to tracks and don't even play live when they're charging buckets of cash to see them. At least Ursay and Dolan keep it real and suck versus playing the album that I could hear at home and keep my hard-earned cash. That's fair. Matt and Placentia. You know why they do that? Because they know they suck live. And it won't sound nearly as good. But you're right. Stop charging prices for that. And then want to know why we won't buy your merch. Gym Master. My beef is with any loser who has an inflatable anything. No one outside of an eight-year-old thinks that your 12-foot Santa is fresh or festive. We do think that you are a lame, lazy-ass loser. Get off your ass, hang some lights, build a decent display, war shooting up my neighbor's inflatables. 
Oh, easy, Ron. We don't need gunplay for that, dude. Maybe a knife. What a slash. My beef is with you, Rome, for crediting fizzle with the midnight oil blast. I dropped that on the old man three years ago. Organic my ass. What is not organic is stealing other people's material. Ryan in Michigan. Hey, Ryan. Not that anybody cares, but it can't be proven. The show on April 30th, 2019, hour number two, 1040 mark. At least I can email without cursing. This dude actually called in here so upset that he couldn't even stop cursing and could not go on the air with this. But nobody cares at all, dude. I've never heard anybody so proud about something so dumb. I love it when somebody else gets credit for something that somebody says they did first. And then it's like wrecked their entire life. Not even their day, but their life. No, dude. I came up with Midnight Oil. Here's Rome just totally deifying and glorifying fizzle for it when I had it first. All right. Hour two, segment three, April 30th, 2019. Go ahead and check the tape. Yeah, yeah all right, stuck nut. I'll do that. Or I won't because nobody gives a damn but you. It obviously didn't resonate when you did it, but Fizzle delivered it in a way that crushed. So that's not on me, dude. That's on you. You obviously delivered it in an utterly forgettable fashion. Fizzle nailed it. It was hilarious when he did it. Obviously not when you did. Forgettable when you did it. Memorable and hilarious when Fizz did it. Let's go to some calls. Pick me back up. 1-800-636-8686. Let's go to Orlando, Joe. Good to have you, Joe. What's your beef? Jim, my beef is uh, with these protein powders or really any supplement powders. Hey, when they package these things, do they put the scooper in first and then dump all the powder on top? Every time I open one of these, I got to dig my digits down in there like I'm hunting for hermit crabs at the beach. And now my finger germs are all over the powder that's going to end up in my mouth. There's got to be a way to solve this. Fix it. Fix it. Rack him. Good job, dude. Well done. It's true, isn't it? Why is the scoop always at the bottom of the giant powder canister? 1-800-636-8686. Let's go to Mike and Snowbird. He knows the show. What's up, Mike? What's your beef? Jim, my beef is with any product pitch, man, that tags his pimpage with, and tell him I sent you. I tried that once back in the day. I said up at the counter, I said, hey, dude sent me here. And the little zit-faced geek at the counter says, I don't know who that is. Oh. Normally, when somebody says, tell them I sent you, they get a kickback. That's why they say, tell them I sent you. They get something out of it. There's some kind of residual kickback. Either credit, points, bucks, I don't know. I don't think it's just a figure of speech. Hey, tell them I sent you. Tell them I sent you means they get money. Tell them I sent you means they get their own discount. I don't know. There's something for it. Why do you think, like when I say tell them at Javier's, I don't even need to because you do, but tell them I sent you, it's because I want to make Javier happy because I love Javier. Or why do you think there's a promo code for all things? Advertisers want to know where their message was heard so they can buy more advertising. Promo code Rome10. Promo code ROME. That's the equivalent of tell them I sent you. 1-800-636-8686. Let's go to Seattle. John in Seattle. Good to have you, John. What's your beef? Hey, 
I got a beef with the extreme yogurt container scraper. Scraping, <laughs> scraping, and scratching for every molecule. Stop it. It's not cocaine. <laughs> no, you're right. Yogurt is not cocaine. I don't know that I would have made that analogy, but it's okay to scrape for cocaine, but don't scrape for your play. Come on, callers. Let's go to No Cow. Kevin, it's good to have you, Kevin. What's your beef? Jim, I'm tired of these DoorDash customers that tell me, when you arrive, please call, and I'll come down and grab the food. So I get there. I call. No answer. I wait and wait. Okay? I got my thumb up my earth. Okay? Finally, they come and apologize and say I was in a conference call. I don't care. Next time this happens, I'm going to eat the food myself. You know what I think is funny, Kevin? I I like that every single week you call to complain about your customers as a DoorDash guy. No, I mean that. I like that. I like that. You never, ever run out of material. You're always pissed off. I like that. That's a good thread. That's a good beat. That's your brand. I like it. Let's keep it going. 1-800-636-8686. Let's try Chapel Hill. Jeff, like I said, the beeps are all over the map, all over the place, all sorts of different things. Jeff in Chapel Hill. Jeff, what's your beef? What's going on, Snagger? I got a beef with all these Dick Enberg wannabes who don't understand that the C at the end of ACC SEC, WAC, stand for conference. You don't need to be a redundant idiot and say that SEC conference, we already know what the C stands for, knucklehead. Good point. I think that's fair. It's not the SEC conference. It's the Southeastern Conference. It's not the Southeastern Conference Conference. He's not wrong. It's not the ATM machine. It's the ATM. Automated teller machine. Not automated teller machine machine. He's right. Are we going to go back to the social or stay on the phones? Let's read some more. Keep calling. Let's see here. Jim, my beef is with the Kansas City Chiefs equipment manager, for the love of God, get Patrick Mahomes a helmet that fits. He looks like a pea in a boxcar. That's a new one. Brian in Detroit. I don't know, Brian. Given what brain trauma is, Given that Patrick Mahomes is arguably the best football player in the NFL, I think that he knows the proper helmet size. Hey, Jim, my beef is with all caps email reply guy. Why are you yelling at me? I get that your ancient work system requires you to enter in all caps, but have the common decency to unclick that button before replying to me. Keith in Milwaukee wore wearing sweatpants to a party. And LeBron's Yankee hat. You know what, dude? I disagree. Like, a lot of stuff that I do is in all caps, and I forget it's all caps, and I blast out to my coworkers, and they get it. They know I'm not yelling at them. It's just I'm already in all caps. Because a lot of the content that I create and a lot of the documents that I send out are in all caps. It's just my personal preference. I'll say to Alvin, I need to read a commercial. Print this. And he's like, dude, why are you yelling at me? I'm like, because I just, I had it in all caps because it's copy. It's commercial copy. Dude, it's not personal, man. Don't be a bitch. Don't be an all caps bitch. It's not personal. Hey, Jim, I've got a beef with that obnoxious TV commercial where the smug husband and wife surprise each other with matching new SUVs for Christmas. You know, the ones with the gigantic red bows wrapped around them. Listen, you pretentious a-holes. Gift giving is one thing, but trying to make it to a December to remember by spoiling each other with matching luxury sleds? No, you do not. No, you do not. Jason in Bend, Oregon. Yeah, that might that must be nice. That must be nice. 
No way! You got me a luxury sled too! Incredible! We got each other cars. Wow. No way! You bought us a new house? I bought us a vacation house. No way! We got matching G5 jets. We bought each other jets. You know, I keep supplying the jets. Wow! Christmas. Hey, Rome, I got a beef. I got a beef with people who call themselves foodies. Guess what? We all like food. You puke. Food is not something to base your entire personality on. That's different. I like that. Drew in West L.A. I don't know, Chalk. You think you're a foodie. Hi, Jim. You want to know what my beef is? My beef is with the whiny bitches. They complain about Christmas music. Listen up, Grinch. It only happens once a year. Would it hurt you to let some light into your dark soul? Good Lord. Wow, Bella. You know what, Bella? You're kind of in my head a little bit. Because I am one of those whiny bitches that's not about it. Here's the problem with Christmas music. If it were something you heard once or twice during the season, that'd be one thing. But when it's pounded over your head day after day after day in every establishment that you go into and everywhere you go and it's the same eight songs and four of them are depressing as hell, then it's not just one of those things that it's only once a year. You make it sound like it's only one set. That's not what that is. It's like 14 days in a row, 14 hours a day with the same eight songs. And by the way, it's not even 14 days. The second Halloween is over, they start playing that crap. On a loop. Everywhere. I'll give you a beef. A personal beef. My beef is the Hallmark Channel. Dodger Jano has it on all the time in the background. Because Dodger Jano is all about the holiday season. Never mind the 500 cards. 500 cards that she sends out. With the kids and the whole production, you wouldn't even believe the gifts and the shopping and the piles. And she, I'm one of those people that I like quiet. Believe it or not, I like quiet. I like quiet. I like being by myself. I like being in my own head. I like quiet. Dodger Jano is one of those people that likes background noise. When she gets ready, she has to have something on. When she's doing all the Christmas work, she has to have some background noise. Hallmark Channel. Hallmark Channel's on in my house like 18 hours a day. Cannot get away from it. Let's see here at Woo Pig Foul. I got beef with the term cold, hard cash. Cash is made of paper and cloth. It's warm and soft. Dude. Pedantic much? Dude, stop that. Cold hard cash is actually a pretty good phrase. Craig Drebbit. I have beef with the guy who wears a jersey to a concert simply because the band is performing in the same stadium as his team. Hey, Tool. Bono does not play for the Seahawks. Put on a nice shirt and leave your PJs at home. Hey, Rome. My beef is with the adults who weren't paying attention, usually on their phone, looking bored when the stadium camera put some kids behind them who were having a good time on the Jumbotron. Of course, the adults immediately get all excited and pop up blocking the kids and stealing their time to shine and have a good time. You weren't paying attention before. Sit your ass down, go back to your damn screen, and let the kids enjoy themselves and get the spotlight. Hassan, that works. I like that. Hey, Jim, my beef is with school crossing guards who turn on the flashing lights 40 minutes early, then go sit in their car until the kids start coming out. Five or 10 minutes is fine, you losers. Just because you only work 30 minutes a day does not mean you need to have a power trip over the rest of us every day just to make yourself feel better about your empty life, you morons. Get a real job, jerks. 
parents should be teaching their kids how to cross the street safely anyway. John in Salt Lake City. Love the show, Jim. 25-year clone. First-time participant. First time after a quarter of a century, and he's going in on crossing guards. I like it. It took a long time for this, but my beef is with my wife. Normally, we get one of those early in at the top. My beef is with my wife. During Christmas shopping, she'll say we need to cut back, then turn around and say, if we get a gift for so-and-so, we have to get a gift or add to so-and-so that gift too. Husker Rocket. I've got a beef with an eat-at-desk guy. You're not impressing anyone with your grind, and now the whole office smells like your disgusting lunch. Take 10 minutes. Take it to the break room, you bag. My beef is with L.A. Rams PA announcer. Thank God Al Michaels already blasted him last Thursday night. I hate it too. I get tired of that idiot yelling, first down, second down, third down. We know, jerk. You have a, a PA announcer here who incessantly screams whose house. And he wants him to well, no, no, I hate it. He wants to say, everybody, he wants him to say Ram's house. Brian J sent that. Hey, Rome Slice, I got beef with that DoorDash kook. Hey, Tool, if you hate your job and customers so much, quit. Find a new job spinning your GED. Holding bag. No, no, no. Find a new job sign spinning. You GED holding bag. Easy G off. E- easy Stanford graduate G off. Easy rocket scientist G off. How about G off cracking on a guy for being a GED holding bag? Yeah, G off. Because when I think of you, I think about Vandy. Duke, Stanford, Yale, Harvard, Princeton, Columbia, UC Santa Barbara. Come on, man. Jim, my beef is with all these people who are losing in a mental matchup with their cats. Larry in Albany. I don't know, dude. Cats are crafty. Cats are sneaky. Cats are smart. I can't tell you how many nights... Cody the Ragdoll Legend has gotten over on my ass and twisted me inside out, turned me inside out. That cat is smart, dude. And annoying as hell, and I love him. The more he pulls his crap, the more I love that cat. They're sneaky, dude. Cats are sneaky. My butt, my beef is with Bike Nation Hater Guy. Hey, dummy! Not all cyclists ride in the middle of the road. Stop lumping us responsible cyclists in with those bags. I agree with you. I'd like to punt them into the ditch with my truck too. Yeah, you'll never guess who sent that one in. Brad in the 360 cycling degenerate. War cyclists realizing we are outweighed like 20 times or so by cars. Wow, dude. That's the least surprising beef ever. A cyclist who knows that he's got bags in the community. But he's right. They're not all like that. But every group has one. Hey, I got a question for you. I don't know if this is true or not. This is actually a beef of my wife. She won't like me speaking on behalf of her because she fancies herself the most positive person in the world, and she is. Dodger Jano has a beef with cycling teams teams that decide that they are a team and they all buy the gear to represent that team but they're not officially that team can you just decide your team motorola or team verizon or team whatever you are and just buy all that stuff and be a team i don't care enough to care but she brings that up sometimes hey rome My beef is with losers who hang their hat on desperately needing credit for glossing an elderly radio producer assistant who used to be the president of a kickball association and listens to Baker Street. Damn right. Good point. Eric in Castle Rock. He's good. 
How about a couple more phone calls to wrap this thing? 1-800-636-8686. Let's go to Baco. Bakersfield, Ron in Baco. What's up, Ron? Hey, Romy. My beef is with the barista er, coffee clerk. Like I went and order a plain cup of Black Joe. She says, we'll get that right for you, sir. And then puts my order behind every soccer mom, chai latte, pumpkin spice, milkshake ordering freak. And I stand there 20 minutes waiting for a cup of coffee. Pour me my damn cup. I hear you, dude. I wonder how much of that is about those who pre-order. Because they're making all those things where people went online. I'm never going to crack my barista. My barista in the morning is a gal named Val. Love her. Best attitude ever. Happy every single day. Every single day. Addresses people by name. Smile on her face early in the morning. She's the absolute best. My beef is with the Starbucks nitro machine that only works half the time on the weekends because I go out there in my pajamas, in my car, in the drive through so I don't have to walk out. But on those days when their machine is busted, which is half the time, then I have to make that ill-fated decision of whether or not to walk into my original Starbucks to see my original Batista or barista in my pajamas when she sees me every single day in slacks and a nice shirt. Like she's looking me up and down one day like, yo, is that you, Jim? Yes, this is me, Val, in my pajamas because the other drive through had their nitro machine break on them again. That's my beef. I mean, come on, man. I, I, I don't go to Mickey D's. Well, I don't go to Mickey D's. But I don't go to Mickey D's now have them tell me the hamburger machine is broken. One more call. Why don't we try Waterloo, Dickie. Dickie, what's your beef? Hey, Romy. Uh, I got to be with my wife. Uh, how come every time I try to watch a movie by myself and there's a uh, two-second clip of nudity, that's when she walks in the room. And then it's always awkward, and I have to spend the rest of the day uh, feeling like I'm Pee Wee Herman uh, <laughs> with my hand caught in the popcorn bucket. Yeah, bro, that is, that's a legitimate beef and awkward. But if it happens more than once, maybe I don't want to see you have an issue or maybe you just need a better strategy or a better plan. I mean, I can understand bad timing once, but if it happens all the time, Pee Wee. All right, that that's incredible. That was the easiest, smoothest, fastest, quickest half hour beef I've ever heard. That was absolutely insane. What a job, beef artists. Good job. Good effort. Once again, my thanks to Old Trapper coming up with a great idea. Good job, clones. Well done. Let's take a short time out so I can come back with an even shorter segment. Get back on the clock. I can't believe that. 28 minutes of beef. You're welcome. You're welcome. Outro. Hey, fizzle. Good night, now.